Imagine this, hiking up a mountain and riding the gondola down, then hiking back up the mountain and riding the gondola down and doing it over and over again until you've reached 29,029 vertical feet over the course of 36 hours. Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today with 29029's Mark Hodelich and Lindsay Wojciechowski. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. You know, the people that are most impressive to me are not the ones that leave wearing the red hat, right? We give away a red hat for, for those that do all 29,000, 29 feet. It's those that realize on Friday, I have no chance at a red hat. But they don't quit. Mm. And, you know, that doesn't happen in a 100-miler. Like, if you miss a time cutoff, you're pulled off course. You don't get to keep running. And, you know, it was demoralizing when I ran Leadville for some of the guys I trained with to get pulled off at mile 40 or 60. They were physically able to keep going, but the race doesn't allow you to. Here, the time could say you can't do 15 laps in Sun Valley or eight in Whistle, whatever it is. But to know that your ultimate goal isn't reachable and to be able to keep climbing, like that's where growth happens, right? You face disappointment. Maybe it was harder than you thought it was. Maybe you had something go wrong, but yet you continue to push through. I love today's episode because we explored this extraordinary challenge and the incredible individuals who make it all possible. From Mark's vision to Lindsay's determination, you may reconsider your own limits. And that is something I'm very passionate about because the more that we do, the more we realize we can do. And personally, whenever I went to Nepal for the first time and competed in the Yak Attack, a 10-day mountain bike race across the Annapurna Circuit in Nepal, the highest mountain bike race in the world, that's when I realized that I was capable of so much more than I was giving myself credit for. And my entire world changed. The things that I started going after in my life were even bigger and even more meaningful. So one of the most remarkable aspects of the 29029 event is the sense of community that it fosters. I sat down with Mark Hodelich, one of the co-founders of 29029, and I highly recommend that you check out their website because they have all of their new events for 2024 on the horizon, and you can sign up for them. Their final event this year was actually in Whistler, and I was supposed to go to it, but I wasn't able to make it for a number of reasons. So hopefully I'll get another chance to check it out. He shared that it all began with the simple question that he and his friend Jesse Itzler would routinely ask each other after long runs. How many vertical feet did you gain? This seemingly straightforward question planted the seed for a revolutionary concept. Whenever you think about this, we think about our Strava or we think about how many feet we did on our bike or on our run. And sometimes that's more important to us than the number of miles that we conquered. Mark's passion for endurance events, including accomplishments like the Leadville 100 trail run, the Ironman Mount Tremblant, ultimately led to the birth of 29029. This event series converges community, athletics, and philanthropy in an awe-inspiring way. And every single person I've ever met who has done this event speaks volumes about it. It challenges participants to measure their workouts, not by how far they've gone, but by how far up they've gone. It's a shift in perspective that opens up new realms of personal growth. We were joined today by Lindsay Wojciechowski. 
a family nurse practitioner with a deep passion for integrative medicine and nutrition. As a working mom and wife of a basketball coach, Lindsay knows the importance of finding balance in life. She shared her experience of participating in the very first 29029 event and how she overcame moments of doubt and darkness by focusing on one step at a time. The 29029 challenge isn't just about conquering mountains. It's about conquering yourself. And friends, if you listen to this podcast or you know me, you know that I am all about the, the battle and the relationship that you have with yourself. It's about discovering the grit and determination and the resilience that lie within, waiting to be unearthed. It's about pushing beyond your comfort zones and celebrating even the smallest victories along the way. Doing any endurance event is more than just physical preparation. It's about developing your mind so that you can transform every facet of your life. That's why I founded the Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy that you can find on my website. That's why I do mental performance coaching. That's why I do everything that I do because our relationship with ourselves and our relationship that we have when we're going through challenges in our life impacts how our life is and it dictates our character. In 2024, the registration for 29029 opens on November 2nd at 12 p.m. Eastern time for locations including Sun Valley, Jackson Hole, Whistler, and many more around the world. If you're looking for something exciting and big to do next year, you can think about 29029. We had some really great takeaways today, including community beyond comparison. The 29029 endurance event is not just a physical challenge. It's a community building experience where participants come together to push their limits. This is also why I love mountain bike stage racing. Mountain bike stage racing is a competitive field, but it is also about camaraderie and how we can all help each other to thrive in really difficult conditions. This is also about mindset. We talked about how training is as much about mental preparation as it is about physical fitness. And we talked about you versus you and measuring up and the power of inclusivity. Reaching Everest Heights empowers people and especially women to step outside their comfort zone and labels they put on themselves. And I want to ask you, what labels are you putting on yourself that are creating your own self-imposed limits? If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to hear more, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Share this episode with your friends and family who are curious about endurance sports or considering making a change in their health journey. And if you want an extra hand in your mental performance, make sure you check out my Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy. It is a self-paced course that takes you through key points of sports psychology and positive psychology so you can not only perform at the highest level, but flourish while you're doing it. You can go to moxymoxyandgrit.com, moxyandgrit.com, or you can go to sonyalooney.com to check out the Mindset Academy. We have transcripts of every episode. If you heard something that you wanted to go back and check on, because I know that while I'm listening to podcasts, I am rarely sitting at a computer and I will hear something and want to go back and see what I heard because I can't quite remember the details. And I don't want to listen to the whole podcast all over again. So feel free to check out the transcript. You can go to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts and check out all of the guests that we've had on the show. In fact, we are sitting pretty at episode 370. 370 podcasts. That's a lot. I'm actually going to be putting together some episode starter packs because I realize how overwhelming that volume of information can be. So if you're looking for something in mental performance or positive psychology or plant-based nutrition or endurance sports where you want to hear from Olympians and world champions and national champions who are at the top of their sport. So make sure that you are stay tuned for those episode starter packs if there is a topic that you are really interested in going deep on. All right, so let's get into this amazing episode with 29029.
Mark and Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we were already bringing the energy before we hit record, and it is already so clear how much passion you both have for 29029 and how important the community is. To start, Mark, I want to ask you, what is 29029? You know, I get asked that question a lot. My wife always laughs because I think I give a different answer every time. But I've, I've settled on it at the end of the day that it's a story for people to tell. Yeah, I think we're all looking for something to talk to others about that's interesting. And 29 and 29 give you something not only for while you're training for it and doing it, but after years, you know, it's 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 the story you're telling, but it's a story that's being shaped by the other 250 people that you're on the mountain with because it's not a singular experience. So I think it's a story that's created as part of a much bigger community that's doing the event with you. Now, oh. said that specifically, what we do is you know, we rent private ski resorts from Whistler to Jackson Hole to Sun Valley, and you climb the mountain, take a gondola down, and repeat over 36 hours with the ultimate goal of hiking 29,000 to 29 feet, which is the equivalent height of Mount Everest. And wh- why, uh, why Mount Everest? And, and why, this, why these events? Why, why not like something different? Sure. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of endurance events in my life. And a lot of things that I did were very intimidating to me, but people in my network couldn't even imagine doing it because they don't swim or they don't bike. So triathlon was out or they don't run long distances or their knees were beat up and they couldn't do the downhill where uphill hiking is just approachable. It's doable for long periods of time and you remove the downhill. I think it becomes approachable to a big demographic. And then what better stories there than Everest, right? I think everyone uses Everest as a marker for the pinnacle, the highest point on earth. And Mm -hmm. so there's a natural marketing and storytelling angle there. And then look, in in full candor, when I was looking at doing different events, I had friends who were getting on their bike and Everesting on their bike. Mm -hmm. And it was a solo pursuit that cyclists were doing. And for me, it was like, well, that's interesting. I wonder if you could do this on foot. And so it was really commercializing a rather niche concept that people were doing on their own the elite cyclists kind of around the world were doing as a solo singular test. Yeah, I remember hearing about this because I follow Jesse Itzler pretty closely um, since the, the the Living with the Seal book and also Colin O'Brady's been on the podcast. So I keep hearing about this. And one of my another guests that came on last year, like right before we recorded, she said, yeah, I'm doing this event in Sun Valley. And so I keep hearing about it from different people going to different events. No, it's great. I mean, look, Colin and Jesse have been great partners. We started off together in 2017. We sold the business and since bought it back. You know, we love it. I've always stayed connected and been the CEO since the beginning, even when we were owned by uh, iFit, uh, who owns Nordic Track. And it's just been a great ride. I mean, they're great partners and we've drawn in a great community. And I think uh, while the events are small, the community is super strong. And so it's not surprising that there's a, an overlap of good people knowing good people who've done the event. I heard you say something in one of your other podcasts that you recorded talking about this. And you said that growth happens when no one is looking. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I experienced that myself this past weekend at Sun Valley. <laughs> tell you. Um, you know, I think we find out who we really are when things get really tough, right? It's, it's easy to be patient. It's easy to be happy. It's easy to have a smile on your face when things are going well. It's much harder to do that when you're not feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever that may be. And there are moments that take place over, no matter how long it takes you, you know, this is not a race. So we don't know or really track who the first finisher is or how much time that takes. But you're not going to be finishing this event in less than 18 hours. And for me, maybe it takes 24 or 26 hours. It's a long duration. And there's many times you're going to be faced with wanting to stop. 
and go to sleep, take a break. And you're really going to grow when you find a way to lean in during those moments and test yourself. And that doesn't mean seeing how high you can get your heart rate, how fast you can do a lap, but it may mean being present for someone else and cheering someone else up when you're not feeling well, or me thanking our volunteers, or really focusing outward and not inward as much. And I think that you find a lot of growth when you're able to wake up the next day and maybe feel a lot better and say, wow, like I'm proud of myself for how I was when it was really tough and everyone else went to sleep. I stayed out there. That's really when I think the growth happens is during those moments where it'd be easy to quit on yourself, but you don't. Yeah. And I think that that's why people like doing things like an Ironman, like I know you've done or run marathons. And something that's really unique about 29029 is that you get to be out in the forest and something about Ironman or a marathon, like you're, you're on the road a lot and you're not getting to connect with nature in the same way. So, you know, what, what component do you think the awe of being in nature has in this event? You know, it's a great observation. Initially, it wasn't a thoughtful part of the formula. And uh, I have a friend named Bart Foster, who's a very talented individual who, who quotes and says, nature is our silent partner. Mm -hmm. And nature is a huge silent partner in this event. I can tell you it was around 1130 Friday night. I was pretty fatigued. It didn't go down to about 1015 in Sun Valley. And it was the first hike I did where the stars were on full display. And that hike was honestly the most enjoyable because all I did was look at all the stars and I don't get to see as much because, you know, I live in suburban Atlanta and, you know, you have light pollution. And, and I think, you know, that kind of thing adds so much more to the event. Most people have never hiked at night. You know, I was hiking with a woman who just said, hey, look, I grew up, my father told me I couldn't be out. I couldn't run at night. I couldn't exercise at night as a female. It wasn't safe. And to be in an environment where I feel safe and I can do that is incredibly empowering. So I think, you know, we're giving people new experiences and they're experiencing nature in a big way. And a large part of this event is that kind of adventure travel aspect. There's a lot of people from the Midwest. There's a lot of people from the Southeast and the Northeast that haven't been out West before. They're not skiers. They've never been out West during the summer. And so that's a really big component of the event is, is being in nature. But again, not being in such an intimidating fashion as, you know, when I did Leadville, you could have 15 miles between aid stations and you're by yourself. Here, you're always with people and you're just out of reach of, you know, aid stations, medical support, things like that. So it's, it's definitely... You're in the elements, but within a contained environment as well. Yeah. And the lowering the barrier to entry is so important. Like I love, I'm an, an, uh, an ultra endurance mountain biker. I do uh, stage races and 24 hour races and a hundred milers like all over the world. And that attracts such a really interesting community of people, but not everybody wants to ride a bike and not everybody wants to ride a bike for a long period of time. Not everybody even wants to run. So I love how you have created something that is so interesting for people where they can sign up and do it and they feel safe doing it. And all you need to be able to do is walk. Well, Lindsay's a testament to that because she signed up in 2017 and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing all about Lindsay's experience and, and how you've transformed Lindsay through this. Um, I have an, another question for you though, before we kind of transition sure. chatting with Lindsay. What is the structure of one of these events? Because I've actually spent time on the website. I've looked on YouTube and you know looked at some people's experiences. But for the person listening, this sounds really cool. But can you paint a picture for us that's more detailed of what people might experience and see? Sure. I, I guess I would just say the first off is that most events, you think of actually your time on site. I think 29 to 29 is differentiating ourselves very much from the beginning from when you sign up, you're joining a community, a private network. So we have, you know, kind of our own private social community where we have a moderator, we have group coaching calls, 
We have our founders come in and talk. We have experts come in and teach you about nutrition and hydration. So a big part of it is the journey getting ready for the event. There's a five-month training program that has evolved a lot. I don't even know if Lindsay got a training program when she signed up in 2017. She's saying no. (laughs) Yeah. So we've evolved a lot in that aspect. And then look, arrivals on Thursday, we have speakers. Our coaches are there. We have an amazing coaching staff, typically have five to six coaches per event, led by our head coach, uh, Brent Peace. And, you know, it's, it's, we eat communal meals together. And there were a lot of things that we did thoughtfully from the beginning that may have looked crazy to the outsider. So it's participant only at meals. So Lindsay may come with her husband and, and her husband's like, wait, I can't eat with my wife. And the reason is you're sharing this experience. You want to actually be present and meet those that you're hiking with. So the thoughtfulness behind it. So, you know, we eat participant only meals together. And then the event starts at 6 a.m. Friday. And you have 36 hours to hike the mountain and take the gondola down from 6 a.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday. And what's really unique about the event is it's self-scored. There's no chip timing. There's no digital format. Uh, we take our logo, which is which is here for those that are able to see this, is the triangle logo. And it's on custom cattle brands. And you, you burn each ascent into a wooden board. And funny enough, when Lindsay did hers in 2017, we went horizontally. You went from left to right for 17 ascents. Now we actually climb the board and go up. It makes a little bit more sense for an event that's vertical. And I think it just it, it just brings you to be much more present, right? You're not relying on technology. Um, it's it's on an honor system. And and I think it really is the ethos of the event that we're all in this together and we're gonna keep keep score ourselves. And really it's a it's a really truly a you versus you test. And then we finish Saturday night with an award ceremony. We play a film at the end of the event. And Sunday morning, we have a brunch where we get together and uh, and then depart on Sunday. Yeah, that sounds like such a fun time. And I know that from events I've done that have really wanted to build community, the, the having the meals together piece is such an important part of it because that's whenever these conversations come out that you might not have otherwise. And then the camaraderie out there whenever you're doing something hard among other people and being able to share that common humanity piece goes so far. Yeah, I mean, look, we've we certainly have adjusted that to where Saturday night's party, you know, <laughs> spouses and family are welcome. Uh, we encourage them to be volunteers throughout the weekend. You know, we want family to be a big part of this. It's just those meals directly before the event and within the participant lodge during the event is really just meant to to foster that community because those are the people going to best understand what you're going through, and those are the bonds are going to last when you leave the mountain. So we definitely want to make sure we're giving an environment to encourage that as much as possible. Where did this cattle branding idea come from? You know, w- one of my partners, uh, team members from the very beginning, had attended a wedding where they did something similar for the bride and groom, <laughs> and we were just going through every idea possible to just differentiate ourselves. Whether it was carrying rocks up to the summit and filling something up. Where there was little medallions that you got and hung up on a board, and finally it was like, you know, I've I've seen like a custom caliber into the bride and groom were like giving away gifts at the wedding from. I wonder if we could do something there. And you know, it's taken a decent amount of iterations. We're now kind of building our own brands and things like that because we're putting them through such use. But uh, it's it's really worked out quite well. Yeah, the visual representation of your progress is super cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're still striving to to get it perfect. But maybe that's why we continue to improve is we're not willing to settle. Something I wanted to ask you, you said you're doing all six of them this year and you've done... How many have you done to date? Do you remember? Seven. Seven. Yes, I do <laughs> yeah, they're all memorable. Does it get easier each time you do it? No, not at all. 
it depends, look, on a lot of factors. I think the thing is, is that it's just never easy to climb 29,000 and 29 vertical feet <laughs> for anyone. And um, look, you mentioned one of my partners, Colin O'Brady, who's one of one two people to ever pull a sled across Antarctica, self-support, right? <laughs> 60 plus days, 400 pound sled. And we've been together many events at 1 or 2 a.m. And it's hard. Like you want to go to sleep. You're tired. Your feet hurt. Funny enough, he gets cold quite easily, right? So I can speak for him and say for a guy that's been in negative 80 degree temperature in, in Antarctica, like he gets cold in Vermont. So it doesn't get easier. Where I can tell you is you know what to expect. And I think that becomes easier and that each time it gets hard, you know you're going to get through it. You know, I've only done Leadville once, but when things got hard, I didn't know if I was going to finish. I knew I was well-trained and it was mentally tough enough, but I just didn't know how my body would react. I know my body can climb 29,029 feet. Hmm. Um, I know I'm going to feel afterwards for the most part. So, uh, but I do think you you have to have a, a very healthy respect for the mountain and the elements and, and what it takes to get through the event. You have to eat a lot. You have to hydrate a lot. You have to be mindful of having the right balance between sodium and water, right? Things can go wrong in the body if you're if you're really not watching what you're doing. And I think that's where it never gets easy is you really do have to be focused on the task at hand, no matter who you are. You, you, it's, it's not the type of thing you can just kind of smile and grin your way through. I mean, no disrespect to anyone who's done a marathon and trained for a marathon. It's a wonderful achievement. But you can screw up a lot of things and still finish a marathon. You screw <laughs> up things in a 30-hour event and, and things go off the rails pretty quickly. So I think you just you really have to be present and mindful of what you're doing to make sure you finish. So Lindsay, I, I want to switch over to you for a little bit here. So it sounds like you did one of the first events. Is that right? I did the first event. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so well, like, how did you hear about this and what made you want to do it? I heard about it. Well, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And that was probably a blessing and probably part of the reason why I agreed to do it. <laughs> My husband and I have gotten to know Jesse through our years with Duke University, and we found ourselves at Jesse's Hell on the Hill that he has at his home every summer. That year, actually, my husband had been invited for the first time to do Hell on the Hill. My husband's been an athlete in basketball for a long time. And so he was the one invited to Hell on the Hill. And this is a longer answer to your question, but we, my kids and I went to go support him and Jesse was very kind and said, hey, Lindsay, if you want to, you know, get a good workout and go up and down and see if you can do it. It's a hundred times up and down this hill in his backyard. And I was looking around at the people that were there and I was like, I am so out of place. I'm a mom. I mean, I never felt more like a mom. I was like, I'm just, all these people are so incredibly athletic and they've got such incredible resumes with, with their athletic careers. But I started going up and down and I got through 10, I got through 20, I got through 30, I got through 40, I got through 50, I got going. And it was about halfway through that I looked around and I had this moment and I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm not only, I'm I'm not the first one. There's a lot of people ahead of me, but I am certainly not the last one. And I let my husband kind of finish with it. But at the end of the night, Jesse was mentioning this new 29029 idea that had just been birthed. And he sort of sold it as this like, camping meets hiking kind of thing. And I thought, well, I like both of those things. So maybe I could do this. And there was this new idea in my mind that maybe I could keep up a little bit more than I thought that I could. And I went ahead and signed up. And I think I signed up three weeks before the event. <laughs> wow. So you didn't get the, I guess, as Mark said, you didn't get the training plan or the the, the calls or any of that stuff. <laughs> 
I think there may have been some of that, but I think I was so overwhelmed and slightly fearful of what I signed up for that I thought maybe if I just went in blind, I'd be better off. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on something you just said. You said that you thought, I don't know the exact words you used, but like you believed that you thought you could do it. Like I thought I could do it. So I was going to sign up. Where did that thought come from that I think I can do this? Because I think there's a lot of times when people see something that they want to do and they think, well, that looks really cool, but I don't think I can actually do that. I would have definitely not thought that I could do it. And I went into it with a lot of fear and doubt. I have never in my life labeled or identified myself as an athlete. So I went into it with a lot of fear and uncertainty. I think it was that experience at Hell on the Hill just a few weeks prior where I looked around and realized I certainly wasn't the last one um, Mm -hmm. and that I potentially could keep up. And that idea was sort of born there that weekend for me. And that ignited something in me that felt exciting. I mean, I was in my early 40s when that happened. And that's just not a box I've ever checked for myself before. And I was just, I didn't know I could do it at all, but there was a curiosity there that was um, exciting to me. Yeah. So you had enough courage to pursue that curiosity. And you said, yeah, you had never labeled yourself as an athlete, but kind of Jesse saying, hey, try this thing. And then that made you believe that maybe you were capable of more. Yes. So I think that this is a really interesting comment. You said, I didn't, I never labeled myself as an athlete. And there's a lot of people out there that don't use that label, even though they are athletes. So to you, what does that label of an athlete mean? Well, I wasn't sure. I mean, I've been married to a basketball coach for 15 years. I grew up in an athletic family where everybody did really well, you know, in, in what they pursued. I just never partook in any of that. And through my husband, we've met so many people who've excelled in athletics at the very highest level. So that's sort of been my definition of being an athlete. Yeah, that comparison piece of I'm comparing myself up whenever you want to call yourself something or to do something. And even it sounds like the comparison piece was actually helpful for you on Hell Hill where you you said, well, I'm not the last person out here, so I guess I can do more. Yeah, I was hopeful that I could. So you signed up for the event. You said you felt a lot of fear and doubt in yourself. What did you do whenever those feelings came up of fear and doubt? During the event? Uh, Leading up to the event and during the event. Well, leading up to the event, one of the things I've learned about myself in the last 10 years is that the best part of me tends to come out when there's that perfect mix of excitement and fear. Mm -hmm. And I like that side of me. And the more I put myself in these positions, the more I learned to like that side of me. I got excited I uh, was spending a lot of time training during this three three weeks. I had three weeks. I had to go hard. (laughs) And so I think I went into it with a healthy level of excitement and fear going into it. I was very excited, but I had a lot of dark moments during the experience. But as Mark has alluded to, those are some of the moments I'm the most proud of. Yeah, the dark moments. I think that a lot of times people are afraid of having a dark moment. And they think that a dark moment (laughs) means that something is wrong. When really having that dark moment and sitting in it and possibly overcoming it is what makes you who you are in a lot of ways. Yes. I had some really good examples of that on the hill uh, or on the mountain that I look back on all of those moments very fondly. So I'd love to have you walk us through what the experience was. Like I know that it was, it was a few years ago and it can be hard to remember all the details. At least I know it is for me. So, okay. Lap one, like how many there's, you said there's 17 laps. Is that right? 
Yes. Oh, and I don't remember what I did last week, but I remember this event like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that's like so huge, like a huge pivot point in life when you remember something in that much detail. Yeah. No, I remember lap one so clearly. There's this girl, <laughs> Megan, who I've gotten to know through Jesse and Hell on the Hill. She's an amazing athlete. And she and I have become friends and she was signed up for it as well. And she was so supportive and so excited. And I'm so grateful. She said, let's do the first lap together and, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll slow it down for you because she was going to go at a faster speed. And she talked the whole way up and was telling me stories. And in my head, I was just thinking, I'm screwed. <laughs> the first hill up, it was this mix of just panic. I got to the top one. I was, I had sweat through everything that I was wearing half out of exhaustion and half out of just sheer fear. Like this is so hard. <laughs> I am in so much trouble. So I remember the first one very clearly. And then I remember, you know, the structure was a little bit different on that particular event, but I remember my goal had been to get through six climbs by the end of the first night. And after four of those climbs, I went down to go change my clothes and get a quick bite to eat. And I had gotten dark And I went into the lobby and I took a minute to call my husband and my kids. And I just broke down sobbing in the corner. And I said, I have no business being here. This is so harder, so much harder than I thought. There is no way that I can do this. And I had two more to go that night. And the mountain was windy and it was cold and it was dark. And I was scared to go up by myself. And I just, it was a real low moment. And I ran into Jesse on the way out and Jesse could probably see the fear in my eyes. And he said, you know, I want you to, I've heard Jesse say this before, but I want you to really not focus on tomorrow, not focus on climb six. You are chipping away one small chip at a time. And that was my mantra for the next two climbs that got me through the night. And I stayed up a lot longer than other people did that night. And those two climbs alone in the dark at the, with the wind at the top. I was really incredibly proud of myself that night when I finally laid down to get a little bit of rest. That's so incredible when you break it down into one foot in front of the other, because like you said, it's so easy to get fixated on, well, I have this far to go, or this just happened you know, on the last lap that I did, and it was so hard, and I don't think I can continue. Can you say more specifically how one step at a time helped you make more and more steps and get through that night? Yeah, I just focused on where I was right in the moment. You know, there's not a lot of times that I think it's fair to say women in particular, moms, there's not a lot of times that you have to just focus on one thing. And my job that night was just simply that to put one foot in front of the other and keep going. And I made it through that night. And the next day was very similar to that. It was a long grind. I think it was like a 12 hour grind. And that day is a bit of a blur. There were a lot of climbs, a lot of incredible people that you end up talking to along the way because you're all kind of grinding through it together. Uh, One thing stands out in my mind for that Saturday. Well, two things in particular. There was an interview that came to mind. You know, I had all these podcasts and podcast music that I had downloaded to like listen to during this experience. I didn't listen to any of it. It was just me and the mountain the entire time. and. About halfway through that first day, I remembered a podcast that I'd listened to years back with Sarah Blakely. It wasn't a podcast, excuse me, it was an interview. And somebody had asked her, you know, she's had a tremendous amount of success in her life. Why you? And her answer to that question was so simple. And she looked right back at them and said, why not me? And 
that came to mind about halfway through that second day. And it was so, it really resonated with me. And I thought, okay, I've never checked this bucket of being an athlete. I've never checked this bucket of really having a lot of grit and showing myself if I had that. And why can't I? Why not? Why not now? Why can't that be me? And so that was sort of my mantra through that second day. Yeah, that's so powerful. And the things that you learn when you're doing hard things like this translate in your life. And that's why I think these these events are so sticky. So that why not me mentality, how have you applied that in your life since then? Well, I think about it all the time. I mean, you know, one of the things that I will say about the 29029 experience for me in particular was, you know, I had I had a big why. And my why was, you know, I look around with envy at all these other people who've had a lot of athletic success. I have had my own career in another avenue, but I wanted to know if I had that grit and I wanted to know if I had what it took when I really dug deep to do that. And I was able to prove to myself that I did in fact have that. And that was such a big why for me. And even though I'm not on 29029 and I'm not doing it every you know, event now, I, I at least know that I have it. And I don't doubt that's part of myself. Yeah. Once you know that you have that, it's always in there. Exactly. Uh, Mark, I wanted to hear about some of the other whys that people have had for signing up for this event. I mean, you have so many stories on the website, and I'm sure that you've come across a ton of different reasons why people would do this. Sure. Not to be the politician and not answer the question that you asked. <laughs> I just want to comment on something Lindsay said about like finding out she had it in her. I think I see so much of my wife in Lindsay of like taking care of me, taking care of our kids. She's taking care of the family and you have it in you. You're doing something almost harder every single day. And what I'm so proud of 29 of 29 is it, it just shines a different light on the women in our lives and lets them be the hero in a more public way. Right. And I think that's, I get emotional talking about it because I think it's something that is overlooked by too many events, right? I felt really guilty when I did an Ironman because my wife did so much sacrifice. And like, she said to me, I'm so proud of you, but you can't do another one. She's never told me no to anything. She just said, you can't do another one. It was too hard on the family. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then you need to do 29 and 29. Like you need this for yourself. Mm -hmm. So seeing my wife do it in 2018, she was inspired a lot by Lindsay. And so she did it in 2018. And, you know, I think we made a shift as a company with me saying, hey, to my partners, I want to focus more on women. I want, this needs to be majority women, which were about 52% women, 48% awesome. male participants for nothing else. And I just think that it provides an environment where I want it to be more welcoming and, and allow more women to be able to share that story. Specifically in terms of look, people's whys, you know, I, I just met a woman on the mountain this last year. She said she found out about this in 2018 on Instagram. She lost 166 pounds and just wanted to prove to herself that she could climb a mountain once, right? And she did six laps the first day. And to put that in perspective, I think people lose sight of the fact of climbing 2,000 feet is a hell of a day for a hike. You know, doing that six times in a day is, is ridiculous. So, and then waking up and repeating that the next day. We've had people honor loved ones, right? We've had people celebrate huge birthdays, 50th, 60th birthdays. I met a gentleman who is CEO of a uh, Fortune 100 company who has done over 100 endurance events in his life. And he did it with his two sons this past weekend. And he told his wife, he's 68 years old, this is my last event, right? He wanted this to close out a chapter of having done Ironman Kona. 
he's climbed six of the seven summits. He's climbed every mountain but Everest, right? And he said, this is my last event, but I'm going to do it with my two sons and my two nephews. So I had seen family celebrate milestones together. It was really cool because, you know, you can't talk a lot on a bike ride. You can't talk while swimming. It's, it's hard to carry on much of a conversation when you're running fast. I'll make the event sound pretty unsexy, but it's just walking up the hill. Right. And it's doing it for a very long time. And certain sections of the mountain are very steep. But seeing the families share their whys together and celebrate big milestones. I know some friends this year that are celebrating, you know, high school graduations. And this is a gift to a son or daughter. And to do it together and create that family experience is is certainly really cool. So yeah, I mean the honoring of loved ones, the the overcoming a, a cancer or a disease has has been, you know, a constant and I think for a lot of people, it's just to just try something new, right? Say, look, I've never done this. You know, I, I heard Lindsay say numerous times, I'm not an athlete. You know, I, I ran college track at Auburn. I was not a great college athlete, if we were to call myself an athlete. But I didn't refer to myself as an athlete. I was like, well, the sprinters and the jumpers, they're athletes. I just run long distance, right? So I never even thought of myself as an athlete. And I think this is an opportunity to define yourself as an endurance athlete, right? Where it's the barrier to entry is so high for so many races. They're the hardest or the toughest or at the highest altitude, the, the lowest finisher rate, like almost everything the ultra endurance community is geared towards. How can we stand out more by being the hardest or being the most difficult, the most brutal conditions, the hottest, right? You know, the, the furthest desert track, whatever it is. And I want us to be the most inclusive, right? Like this is the place where like it's okay to be scared and not know what the hell you're doing, right? And, mm-hmm. and in fairness to Lindsay, as an event production team, as Jesse and I and Colin as partners year one, we didn't know what we were doing with this format. It was truly the first time we had done it. So for her to succeed in year one where it was not as dialed, it wasn't as supported. The, the hours were really tough. Like I want to be really fair to her and say like, we started this event at two o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> like people traveled that day. You know, I knew traders at hedge funds who like worked that morning on the trading desk. Nick Morris, shout out to you and Adam Heisnick. And then drove in and then did an event. Like you would never come the morning of a marathon. Like you would come in the night or the nights before. And the way it was broken up in the structure and, and us trying to figure out was this part music festival part farm to table dining and part endurance event. And we very quickly realized like, this is all about the challenge, right? But Lindsay did it under super hard circumstances because we had not yet perfected the format to allow people to have the best chance at finishing as well. Yeah, and then Lindsay, from my understanding, your husband did it a few years later. Is that right? He did. He did it in Utah. Snow Basin 2021, right? I think so, yeah. 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 He had a wonderful experience. Yeah. And I'm sure you inspired him, like him watching you do it. You know, it's funny that way. Yeah, I think maybe so. We're living in Park City, Utah now. And I have a few friends from Park City who have been inspired by it as well. And they're going to be at Snow Basin in August. And I've had friends from Milwaukee that signed up and went. And I think people really get intrigued by the idea. And they also, especially friends of mine, moms, who are busy with their kids' lives get really intrigued and curious about the idea of something that's just for you and an opportunity to really step out of your comfort zone and see if you've got it at this time in our lives, which you know is a time when we're sort of taking care of everybody else and not doing as much for ourselves. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that vicarious experience piece, like you said, like Mark said, his wife was inspired to do it because she saw you and your friends are inspired to do it because they see you. And I don't know if there's a, a gender piece to this, but whenever we see somebody else do something and we see ourselves in that person, then we believe that we can do that too. And I think that the way that 29029 shares all the stories of people who are doing this is empowering people to reach for more in their lives. And I don't think there's anything better than that. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, so, I'm really excited for the friends who are doing it this August. And I'm just, I know the feeling and I'm excited for them. Yeah. So something that you said, it's a little bit off topic, but you said, I never felt more like a mom when I was watching people doing Hell Hill. And that kind of struck me because I, I did this documentary that's still touring at film festivals about the challenge of adding motherhood as an identity to yourself and how, for me, I wasn't sure if I could become a mom because I was already a professional athlete. And could I still be an athlete? Could I still be somebody that goes after things when I become a mom? And it sounds like you came at it from the other side, like you were a mom and then you realized, hey, I can do more. So can, can you talk about like what it means to feel like a mom now after doing this event? Yeah, it feels great. You know, and it's fun for my kids to have witnessed me go through that. They weren't there directly, but to just see me in the aftermath of that. Yeah, no, it's it's super tricky. And especially I I can't I must have been 40 when I did it, 41. That almost felt like too late of a time in my life to try to identify as an athlete. So to be able to claim that at a later point in my life was really exciting. And it is really hard to do both. And that's why I think this opportunity is so unique because it really allows women to step outside of their norm and to be able to, you know, claim this opportunity and this experience for themselves. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that we put on ourselves. And as you said, women tend to put everybody else first before themselves. And something that I'm really curious about is how to continue to empower women to overcome these limiting beliefs, to step out, step over these barriers that oftentimes we put on ourselves to do more in our lives, whether it is doing 29 or 29 or doing something more. Um, is there anything that comes to mind to help women overcome these barriers and labels that they put on themselves? Yeah, I think it's by experience, you know, and I think it's by taking a chance and throwing yourself in experiences that you may or may not be able to do, but putting yourself in situations that are that mix of fear and excitement that allow you the opportunity to prove it to yourself. It's really hard to do on a day-to-day basis, especially when you get through your day and your work and your to-do list and your kids' stuff and things come up. It's really hard to find experiences like this. And 29029 is so unique. And I think it felt like a big leap for me. I may have been too afraid to sign up for it had I not had that hell on the hill experience prior but I'm incredibly grateful that I took the leap of faith and did it. And, you know, I know a lot of people who've signed up and completed 12 or 13 of the laps and not quite gotten to the, to the final piece of the event, but they've still left feeling incredibly accomplished and knowing that they really pushed themselves out of their comfort zone. And, you know, they were really proud of themselves for taking the chance. Yeah. Thanks for pointing out that, just because you don't do all the laps doesn't mean that you failed. You've still won by doing that. And Mark, you mentioned that too. Like the the lady that signed up, her goal was to do one and she did more than one. And a lot of times I think that we will look at something like, I have to do the entire thing. Otherwise it doesn't count, but it definitely counts. It counts to get the best out of yourself, whatever that looks like. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, we, we do a lot of things different 
And I'll never forget, you know, year one, you know, Jesse's my partner, but I'm, I'm the CEO. It's, it's my show to put on. And he comes to me and he's like, Hey, as we give remarks tonight, I'm going to say a few words. Jesse's going to say a few words. And he's like, you know, I think we need to recognize, you know, the highest of the seven summits that everyone climbed. And, you know, it was kind of on the fly, like getting ready for a speech, kind of thinking like, Hey, if you did four, that's the height of Kosciuszko, which is the highest mountain in, in Australia. And mm-hmm. If you did seven, that's the height of Vincent, right? And, and you're going through the different of the seven summits. And that became an integral part to our event. At, at every location, you get a medal for the highest of the seven summits that you climb. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people that are most impressive to me are not the ones that leave wearing the red hat, right? We give mm-hmm. away a red hat for, for those that do all 29,029 feet. It's so those that realize on Friday, I have no chance at a red hat. But they don't quit. Mm. And, you know, that doesn't happen in a hundred miler. Like if you miss a time cutoff, you're pulled off course. You don't get to keep running. And, you know, it was demoralizing when I ran Leadville for some of the guys I trained with to get pulled off at mile 40 or 60. They were physically able to keep going, but the race doesn't allow you to. Here, the time could say you can't do 15 laps in Sun Valley or eight in Whistle, whatever it is. But to know that your ultimate goal isn't reachable and to be able to keep climbing, like that's where growth happens right? You face disappointment. Maybe it was harder than you thought it was. Maybe you had something go wrong, but yet you continue to push through. And, and I, I hope that those people are as proud of themselves as I am when they come out. Because I certainly know when I was out there Friday night and I was going up and my goal Friday was to get in 13 of the 15 laps. And you know I would be with people as I'm going up my 13th lap and they're like, I'm on five or six. And there's so many people that have already gone to bed. And I'm like, you're still out here climbing when clearly you know that you're not going to get 29,000, 29 feet. And, and that mm-hmm. I want this to be an environment where people get to see that growth and, and get to be proud of themselves. I think that that's one of the things that I take away so many times is how few times, you know, we actually sit back and are like, wow, I'm, I'm proud of something that I just did or that I'm currently doing. You know, in those moments when Lindsay was talking about hiking at night in Vermont, I mean, the wind there is brutal and it's super cold and it's dark. And even though it's just us on the mountain, like it is lonely. And to be proud of yourself for just continuing to be out there and be in the environment is something that it does take you to be really present to even recognize because you probably don't recognize how proud of you are for getting all of your kids to practice on time with their water bottle and all their gear. It's just what you do every day. But that's really damn hard. But you probably don't take a moment to think like, oh, I'm proud that I was there and I got everyone there and everyone that they needed. But these are those moments where like, because there's not the distractions of the rest of the family, I think you have an opportunity to be so present and be like, wow, I, I'm doing this for myself and, and I'm proud of what I'm doing. Yeah, celebrating wins, no matter how small, is so important. And we're, we're talking about confidence here. Like whenever you celebrate your wins, it makes you, number one, realize that I'm the type of person that I said I was. And then number two, I am capable of more. And Lindsay, what you said, I did the hell hill. Therefore, I believe that I could do 29029. And building that piece by piece, even the people like you said, Mark, that that don't complete the entire thing, they still are going to be more confident whenever they go to take on something harder in their lives. 100%. You know, there's so many lessons that you take from those moments that I think are most challenging on the mountain. And in a very weird way, each time I do the event, I look forward to those moments. You know, you, you want it to be all just laughs and smiles and high fives. And then when it really starts to hurt, you're like, oh, I miss those times. But then mm-hmm. after the event, I look back and I'm like, oh, it wasn't until 1 a.m. 
Like that's yeah. when my growth happened. That's that's when my reason for being on the mountain was there. And changing your mindset to kind of looking forward to those moments is is something where you're like, oh, I, I want to find my best self, and and I know I can bring it out in those moments. And I wish I did it more at home. I've certainly found myself taking a step back and like, don't get upset at this. He's 11, right? Like he's going to do that, right? Or I know they didn't take those shoes off when they came in the house today. It's not that big of a deal. Like we can mop it up, right? Mm -hmm. But it's those type of of moments of like, hey, I can be present here. I can be in control. And that I've certainly learned in doing this time after time as well. Yeah, something that I say to myself when I'm doing an event and you get in that moment where you're like, this is super hard. I kind of want to quit. This is really uncomfortable. I tell myself, this is what you came for. Like, this is the whole reason you signed up for something like this. Like, you wouldn't sign up for something hard if you thought that you're just going to breeze through it because there would be no meaning for it. Or, uh, yeah, no meaning. And whenever you do it and you have that moment and then you say, yeah, like, this is why I'm doing this because you wouldn't do that in any other part of your life for, for any reason unless you sign up for something like this. I had a very good pep talk with a guy during the event. It was, the format was a little bit different, but the second night it was after the 12 hour day, there was, they stopped it for a little window and there was a dinner and I sat next Mm -hmm. to this guy who I didn't know. I just grabbed a plate and sat down (laughs) and he's talking and being friends with everybody. And I'm sitting there and my blood sugar's dropping. I'm breaking out in these weird hives. I have like (laughs) sweat profusely coming down my face and I'm like in bad shape. And he turned and looked at me and he goes, you don't look good. And I said, well, I don't feel good. I said, I'm really in a dark place right now. This has been really hard for me. And he asked me, he said, you know, how many have you done? And I said, well, I've done 13. I've, I don't think I'm going to go back out tomorrow. I've got four more and I don't think I can do it. And he turned around and put his fork down and he looked at me and he said, I have done nine. He said, Lindsay, do not quit. He said, this is what you came for. He said, there's this peak and you're almost there. And if you can just give it a little bit further and you get over that horizon, he said, that is what you have paid for. This is the experience you have come to seek. Like, do not give up. So he excused me. I went to bed. I left. He told me, I'm not going to finish. He said, there's no way in the world I'm finishing, but I'm sure as hell going to be outside of your tent at 530 because there's no way I'm not letting you finish what you've come here to do. And sure enough, at 530 in the morning, he was standing outside the tent and walked me up the next one. And to you know, wow. to your comments earlier about people continuing to go despite not finishing, he was out there the whole next morning, but was adamant about helping me start off and and making sure I got up and got going. So... Yeah, that's very like so many goosebumps from that story. (laughs) What are some other conversations you had while you're out there? You know, there were a lot of really neat people out there, and everybody is talking about their why. I have very, I had very few conversations with people talking about what they did for work or where they came from or you know those things. The questions that everybody were discussing were, "What's your why? What's important to you? What means something to you? Why did you show up here today?" And I got a lot out of that. And then it was really bonding. You know, there's people I didn't know that I still stay in touch with. Um, one girl that I know, Susie Schnall, who signed up with me and did it, and we will always be connected because we share that experience. So um, it's very bonding. Um, there were a lot of climbs that I just put my head down and kept on going. And those were good climbs too. Yeah, that's so unreal. And I always think about this, like a lot of times we want to build these lasting connections in our lives. We all know that relationships are very important to us, but whenever you go make conversation with somebody that you just met, the conversations that you have are, what do you do for work? You know, these types of questions that they're, they're, I guess, sort of relevant, but it's not who are you. And whenever you're out there, it sounds like 
what is important to you? What is your why? You're asking somebody who they are, not what they do. And that is a really different question that builds a really different type of relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we talk in, um, I'm in YPO and in my forum, we, we talk about, you know, 80 to 85% of the conversations that you have are those surface level conversations, right? Sports, weather, what you do for work. And very few conversations are in that 10 and 5% sharing, right? And I think that 29 and 29 is a beautiful job through the duration of the event, the vulnerability that, that occurs through it, and the feeling of kind of safety and community where you do start sharing on a 10 and 5% level right away. Like it, it sometimes does take 12, 14, 18, 20 hours of physical exercise, <laughs> but you, you start to let your guard down. And I think I see that time and time again, where people will say, wow, like, here's who I want to be when I go home, or I thought I signed up for this. Here's what I'm getting out of it. Here's something that I want to change. Here's something I like about myself that I want more of. Those are things that I feel like people are, are being much more in tune to and feeling much more comfortable sharing within the community for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I could talk to you guys forever about this because there's so much that we haven't talked about. But I guess the last question I'll ask you, Mark, is can you tell me the different locations? That way, if somebody is listening to this saying, I want to sign up for next year, they can start thinking about it. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having us. I mean, Lindsay, thanks for, for joining. It's uh, wonderful to see your face again and hear your story and uh, tell Steve to say hello. Yeah. So we're still finalizing the calendar for next year, but it, it should kind of closely mirror this year with maybe an additional a location or two. We'll be at Sun Valley, Idaho. We'll be at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, we'd like to be back at Snow Basin, Utah, which uh, is about 45 minutes outside of Salt Lake. And then uh, Whistler, Canada, uh, up in BC, which is, I guess, your neck of the woods, Sonia. And then Stratton, Vermont, the OG. That's where we're <laughs> with us. Yeah. And for the listeners, I'll be doing the Whistler event. So I'll be re reporting back to you guys with my firsthand experience too. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to climb with you. Well, thank you so much, both of you for coming on the show, Lindsay, sharing all of your experiences and how inspiring and empowering that is going to be for so many people listening. And Mark, for your courage and an insight to start something like this and to continue it. And I'd love to ask more que questions about the business side. I mean, I heard you say that you you sold it and bought it back. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to the story. Where can people find each of you and get more information? Well, I mean, me, the best thing is 29029. So the number is 29029, uh, Everstein on Instagram and should be the number one hit on Google. And Lindsay, I'll let you go ahead. Where can you find me? I'm Linza Wojo on Instagram. And yeah, otherwise you can find me home back to my routine of being a mom and doing my nurse practitioner work. But um super grateful for this experience. I'm super grateful for the community and I'm honored that you guys would have me on today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I appreciate that you come back every single week and we have incredible guests on the show. I'm so grateful for the people that I get to talk to and that you all get to benefit from and I get to benefit from as well. If you found today's episode enlightening and want to hear more, make sure that you subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. We love hearing from you on social media and share this episode with your friends and family who are curious about endurance sports or considering making a change in their health journey. And because I am in Hawaii for a wedding and for a family vacation, I'm going to say thank you, like they say on the island here, mahalo. And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. And I'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>